Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to be joined by Chris Trevino. Follow him on Twitter at Chris. And Trevino, we're not going to do a YouTube simulcast today, but we are going to talk about the state of the program. We got to meet with Lincoln Riley for two hours on Tuesday morning. Uh, about eight media members, local media members, were in attendance, and Chris and I were two of them. So we're going to react pretty much to what we saw and heard from Lincoln Riley uh, in that two-hour meeting, but also react to the reaction of what was said in that meeting, because a lot of fans have some pretty strong opinions about what was going on. So we're going to get to all of that. We have a lot of questions and comments, so it's going to be a little bit of a react to what we saw and heard and then react to the uh, all of your feedback from in our kind of a mailbag section in the later part of the show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please uh, leave us a five-star rating review. It does really help us to grow the show. If I sound a little different, uh, we I am remote right now. We're not in studio, so Chris and I are both recording uh, via Skype. Um, so that's why we are not uh, simulcast on YouTube and we might sound a little bit different. But Hope it sounds okay, and hopefully you guys love uh, the content we're going to put out for you today, because there should be some really interesting things to talk about, and we're going to do that with Chris Trevino. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing good. It feels like ages since we did a podcast together. It's been such a long time away from California. For me, I was gone for 12 days, uh, went to a New Orleans wedding, then went to the Cotton Bowl, All-American Bowl in San Antonio, so it's been a long time for me. And we haven't really had a chance to have a podcast together, so it feels good to be back. It is to be back. We got to do stuff uh, in, um, you know, in Dallas. So I mean, that was kind of cool. And then you're in San Antonio. Uh, I'm heading to Hawaii next week because I'll be covering the Polynesian Bowl. Uh, but we were on campus together yesterday, and I don't know. It's a 26 minute instant analysis we did, so it's maybe like a kind of a mini podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to doing another one of these and we'll get back to doing like regular ones in studio where we're live on YouTube and all that, which is a lot of fun. But since uh, I'm remote right now and then you'll be a little bit traveling coming up. So um, we'll get all that stuff and hope we'll be able to do more. But before we get into all that, I just do, do want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, uh, who's been great to us over the last several years. I'm out in the desert right now, Chris, and uh, brought a bunch of snacks with me from the Trader Joe's, the rolled corn tortilla chips, the chili and lime flavored ones, like a little spice to them. I love those. These ones I haven't had that often. The Bomba peanut uh, puffed peanut and corn snacks with a hazelnut cream filling. They're like little mini desserts. I love those. I know you grab the chops sometimes. The uh, It's like a, a beef sticks, uh, grass-fed uh, finished beef stick. Um, those are really good. But I love the peanut butter filled pretzels. Those nuggets are awesome. And then the organic alote, alote corn chip dippers are great. 
And then the key lime, I'm getting some of the key lime popcorn too. So a whole bunch of cool snacks I brought from Trejo's. I don't know if I'm gonna eat all those, but I brought, <laughs> I brought a bunch. Uh, but those You're like snack some of my, god right now. I'm a snack god of the Trader Joe's right now. So yeah. Uh, you you, you, like you gifted me a. Right? Yeah, I like those. Those are good. You know, quick something proteiny to get it get in me when I my, my belly's rumbling. But you did gift me a fifty dollar Trader Joe's gift card and. Me and my girlfriend are just going to go to Trader Joe's sometime this week and just spend that baby. It's burning a hole in my pocket. So I'm excited to just pick out a bunch of stuff to spend this gift card on. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to do all orange chicken. Yes, that is the case, but she probably won't <laughs> let me do that. So at least two bags, at least two bags will be dedicated to, uh, to, the, to the gift card. Nice. All right. Well, anyway, just thanks uh, again to Trader Joe's. Uh, like I said, they've been great to us. Go to TraderJoe's.com for more stuff. Uh, well, Chris, we got to get to, um, and I don't have any sound effects because I'm not in the studio, but the uh, the breaking news, what everyone wanted to know uh, was, was Lincoln Riley going to retain Alex Gritch, the defensive coordinator? And we knew early on the way the meeting worked, and like I said, it was two hours of us just Sitting around the table, uh, audio recording was okay. Uh, we didn't do any video recording. They asked us not to do that. We weren't even sure if we were going to be on the record for all of it, but he said it was at the end. So we're getting, you know, we have a bunch of stories and stuff going up uh, on the site. And Shotgun got one up pretty quickly. And the big news being that Alex Grinch would be retained. It wasn't just Alex Grinch. It's the his intent to keep the whole staff together. Uh, if you remember, Luke Heward took over. Inside receivers coach, uh, more of an interim basis. He's the full-time guy now. Uh, but Alex Grinch will be back. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about not one to make hasty decisions, uh, decisions, uh, you know, emotionally-based ones. The track record that Alex Grinch has provided, what he was able to do at Washington State, how he turned the defense around when he first got to Oklahoma. He does like continuity. Um, you know, you don't want to have continuity for continuity's sake, but he just feels like the guys in the room uh, are the ones that can get them and bring them to the next level. And he knows they got to improve, but it's not just Alex Grinch. It's everybody get better players, coach them better. He's going to spend more time with the defense because there's not doing things like figuring out what offices guys are going to get squeezed into. So I, I know it wasn't very popular uh, when we tweeted that out, Chris, and we started talking about an instant analysis, but that was the big takeaway coming from this state of the program from Lincoln Riley that Alex Grinch would be retained. I just want to commend all the USC fans on social media for how well they took that news. They really handled <laughs> it with a lot of maturity. I think that's a, I think that's a big win for them. But jokes aside, yes, it was not a very popular uh, news announcement. And I don't think we ever really felt that that change was going to happen. I mean, in the aftermath of the Tulane game, obviously everyone's emotions were high from a fan perspective, and there was tons of, you know, Jim Leonard's uh, r- rumors swirling about and all this kind of stuff hearing on the back end. But I don't think we ever really felt it was going to get to that point. Lincoln Riley himself, as you mentioned, said, you know, he's not a guy to make rash decisions. He's not a guy that's going to be emotional about a decision. And they really wanted to take the time make a plan, see where they need to go moving forward. And he talked about how these last seven days with the staff and for him have been so refreshing. It's like it's like they've been able to take a step back 
and look at everything because since they arrived, which is also something that he talked about, it's been go, go, go. It's all it's from things from, you know, recruiting out of the transfer portal to figuring out what office people are going to uh, uh, have uh, in Heritage Hall and, and all these little things and all these big things and all these things going on. And it's just been, you know, put your head down, get as much work as you can and then look up and see where you're at at the end of the year. And, you know, at the end of the year, 11 and three, good, good turnaround, great turnaround, you know, some disappointing losses. But specifically, specifically when it comes to the defense, I think he really was not going to make any big decision after after that loss. And, you know, took the time with his team, with his staff to really look at what needs to be done. And, you know, he talked about what needs to be done in terms of roster upgrade, everyone needing to be better. But the big thing was the continuity and that's and it's something that is rare in college football which is w- what he said and he really wants that for the staff the the players the defense and especially for this program so keeping Alex Grinch keeping the staff intact he he, he expects no changes with the assistants so yes no sort of special teams coordinator thing we'll talk about special teams but None of that unless, you know, someone gets a promotion, you know, someone gets a D.C. job or O.C. job or, you know, a head coaching job somewhere possibly. But he said he does not anticipate any changes barring something like that. But, yes, Alex Grinch is staying. The the Grincher will be here in 2023. And as I mentioned, in analysis, you know, a lot more pressure for Lincoln Riley in terms of, you know, that decision really kind of doubling down, doubling down on that. Uh, decision with Grinch and on Grinch and that defense, you know, they're giving the, they're being given the opportunity to see what they can do in year two, did some good things in year one, but just the way everything ended, you know, people are going to have that bitter, bitter taste in their mouth when it comes to the defense. So they have a lot of proving to do in 2023. They're going to be the big micro thing under the microscope going to next season. You know, Caleb Williams, Heisman year, junior year, going to be his last year. You know, offense going to be incredible with all the weapons. It's all going to be on defense. It's all going to be on them. And that's going to be the biggest talking point all offseason for us, uh, Ryan. It's like, Grinch, you have to step up or shut up. Because this is this is the year you have to put in that turnaround. They need to be at least a top 50 defense for USC to kind of accomplish what they need to do or want to do in 2023, what they missed out on. Uh, this past season for sure and uh you know i think the feeling we got though that was he wants continuity but he's willing to make tough decisions and he can make Mm -hmm. you know he will he will fire alex grinch if he feels like he needs to fire alex grinch like you said he did a deep dive uh there's there's benefits to be having some continuity especially because they had to change everything when they got there and then to make a big change again, you have to really know that that's what you need to do. And he, in his deep dive, they didn't come up with that. That's not why they needed to do that. And you don't want to make change just for the sake of making change. And I know fans are all in on most, a lot of fans. You just have to fire Alex Gritch. Um, so I think we're going to be speaking to a lot of the fans about this. But the, I think the, the one thing to know is, People, some people are tweeting me like, oh, he's just doing it because it's his friend. No, I don't think any of that is – there's reasons to keep people, and it's not 
some nefarious ones that you think it's just because the buddies or he doesn't care about defense. Like, I don't believe that at all. And I believe that if, if it still doesn't go right in year two, that he would make a change. And, you know, after listening to him talk for like two hours, it makes sense, you know, and I, we got a voicemail and I can't play voicemails because we're not in the studio, but man, Curtis from Marino Valley just was laying into us. He said, one of us, he said we were Jedi mind tricked by Lincoln Riley. And we've had other people tweet me like, you can't say anything negative because you're going to get access. It's like, holy cow. Like that comes up so many times. And I just pointed like the 2018 article I wrote that said Clay Helton needs to be fired. And I still had to cover him for three years after I wrote that. So, you know, the person that's been on the beat the longest writes that the head coach needs to be fired. And I still have a working relationship with the guy for three years. Like I wasn't cut off. We, you know, that's, that's not a thing. Like, if we got out of that meeting and we felt like, holy cow, Lincoln Riley is screwing up and he should have fired Grinch yesterday, we would have said that. Um, we listened to what he had to say and, and Chris can give his opinion too. And I, I get it. Like, is it a guarantee that Alex Grinch is going to work in uh, 2023? No, I don't know that. I mean, but what his rationale was and his reasoning makes sense. And to me, he's someone that has proven to be a smart football guy, someone that knows football. He's an intelligent head coach to, to basically change one thing. You go from Clay Helton to Lincoln Riley, and you go from four wins to 11 wins. You win a Heisman. You beat both UCLA and Notre Dame. You're a breath away from winning a Pac-12 championship and, uh, and going to the college football playoff. I'm willing to give someone like that the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know why so many USC fans aren't, if that makes sense, Chris. Like, I, you know, if he's done so much already with so little. He took over a crappy roster, fixed it as best he could, and it was more fixed on offense than defense. Um, still, four of USC's five leading tacklers were from the transfer portal. He did a lot uh, in year one, and he was very bullish on the changes he can make and improvements he can make in year two. And when someone delivers that, you know, they deliver that kind of results in year one, I'm certainly willing to say, okay, it wasn't perfect, but you made so many improvements and made it so much better than it was before. I am definitely willing, whatever you're selling, that, that tonic that you are selling, I'm willing to buy because – You've proven to me in year one that you're not full of crap and that you have something you're bringing something to the table. And it's baffling to me, Chris, that there's so many USC fans that think they're defensive experts and they know better than Lincoln Riley. I'm not saying he's right, but I'm definitely willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and listen to what he has to say and go, OK, you know, you, you've done so much. I'm going I'm going to roll with what you're your opinion on this is, and so many USC fans are just not willing, and it's baffling to me. Yeah, it's baffling, and it's also sort of just interesting to look at it, because I'd have to, I wonder if it would be the same for just any college, uh, major college football program. I assume it would be, just because college football fans are are crazy in in itself, and maybe, it, it, you know, a lot of it is, you know, we joke about the Helton PTSD, and a lot of people were, I saw some people, you know, comparing Lincoln Riley to Helton, which was just and the most insane thing I've ever seen on uh, USC Twitter in a, in a long time. So, yeah, I mean, I just you just have to look at it from the lens of 
Lincoln Riley is literally a top five college football coach in the, the world right now. And given what they were able to do in year one with, you know, sort of their hands tied behind their back in terms of roster over overall roster talent and what, what they uh, inherited from a foundation standpoint, not including the transfers they picked up. I think it's, I think it's okay to give him another year for this defense. And, you know, Lincoln Riley can be a lot more hands-on with the defense. That was something that he talked about in terms of, you know, helping them. The, the big focus will be the defense this offseason instead of like 30 different things they had to worry about when they first got here. You know, they can kind of catch their breath. The foundation is put in place. Now you can really kind of dive into it. And he also talked about how what that confidence is he has with Alex Grinch in that defense is that there were times this season where, you know, they performed at a high level. I mean, you look at that Oregon State game and USC isn't winning that game without the defense and stepped up in that environment. And, you know, he also pointed to the Notre Dame game and they've had moments this season, but it's all about the consistency. And that's something that they really need to hit on for this season is finding that consistency. And again, you mentioned it. If, if it, if, if it doesn't get done in 2023, I, I would not be shocked if that was kind of the last iteration of the, the Riley and Grinch thing, a Riley and Grinch relationship in terms of, you know, him being the defensive coordinator, because he did say that at the end of, you know, talking about defense where sometimes continuity doesn't work. You know, that's the nature of the business. Sometimes it doesn't work and you have to make that decision to part ways and it's a tough decision, but that's part of the business. And that's what he said, but that is not how he feels right now. Could that change in 12 months? Absolutely. But right now that's not how he's feeling. And I think if you're a USC fan, you know, you just kind of have to swallow that and accept that, you know, Lincoln Riley, as I mentioned, one of the best coaches in college football, if that's his decision. You just got to ride with it as a fan. I know some people are still going to, you know, bitch and moan about it and whatever. That's, that's their, that's their decision. But I have seen, you know, I think a lot of people on the Peristyle and then on social media after, you know, we, we, we tweeted that news like uh, in the morning and then several hours later, a lot of them were like coming around to it like, OK, this is how it's going to go. Let's let's just roll with it. We got some some good pieces coming in. We have some a, an actual recruiting class this year, some defensive linemen, you know, a really good linebacker attack at Curtis, some new cornerbacks. You know, some some transfer portal pickups, you know, Mason Cobb, uh, Keon Bars, Christian Roland Wallace. They're getting high end guys and sort of instead of sort of the kind of filler guys that they got last season, they're getting starters from other teams. You've seen the upgrade in the transfer talent. So I think a lot of people have, you know, moved into that acceptance phase of this news. And they're kind of like, you know what, if that's what Lincoln Riley wants to do, let's let's ride with it. You know. Well, it's 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 national it's college football playoff or bust with Alex Grinch and this and this Caleb Williams team and this Alex Grinch defense. So let's just go with it. You know, they won 11 games this last year. Let's let's just go with it. That's what he wants to do. Let's roll with it. I've seen some of that on the Peristyle and on Twitter. So I think people are moving into that acceptance phase. But yeah, like you said, I I, I think it's just if he wants to do that decision, that's his decision to make. You know, this isn't Clay Helton keeping. Clancy Pendergast for a fifth year while everyone's like, <laughs> it's just not working. That's not what this is. I think he's earned the right. I, I don't think he has earned the right to be able to say, Hey, we're going to run it back 
for one more season. I think he's absolutely earned that that right in based off what they were able to do in one season. And remember, just just take a second to remember going back to this uh, going back to this this roster that he inherited. You know, he mentioned that the roster was worse in some aspects than they than they thought when they got here. And I would bet a million percent that, that he is referring to specifically the defensive front. Remember, USC recruited very badly on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the defensive line. That was a huge, huge game ball in USC's uh, recruiting acumen by the end of the 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 Clay Helton era. You know, they had some really good guys early. You know, Jay Tefele, Marlon Tuipulotu, you know, they got Corey Foreman, but it really fell off a cliff defensive line recruiting-wise. So we know outside of Tuli Tuipulotu, it was sort of a struggle to find consistency. So just remember that they had fallen off a cliff with defensive recruiting for the past regime and linebacker as well. They did not have a lot of top-end talent outside of Tuli Tuipulotu when it comes to linebacker. And Dante Williams, great recruiter. He recruited well at that quarterback position. They had a lot of great secondary players and safety positions. But outside of that, yeah, defensive cover was super bare. And they got some guys out of the portal, but they weren't early impact kind of plug-and-play starter kind of guys. They were guys that kind of got to work their way into that rotation. So just remember that. I I think that that's really kind of being lost is just how badly or, or what they had inherited on the defensive front side of the things. And US, and then Rick Riley mentioned they need more guys that can consistently get to the ball, consistently win matchups, and consistently make plays in the front. And that's going to be the big emphasis as we move into February, January recruiting. Yeah, and he gave an example uh, of Texas, um, you know, that saying that, you know, in year one when Sark got there, they hired the Washington defensive coordinator. It was really highly thought of. Their defense just absolutely stinks. And in year two, they're top 20 defense. And so I buy, you know, he's he was really bullish on big improvements in year two. And I'm like I said, I'm willing to see what he has to say. You know, I, I'm not I don't think you can sustain the huge play like being top, you know, 10 in sacks and interceptions and all that when your yards per play and your points per drive like those numbers are really bad in the 100s. I think those have to get a lot better. It's not just forcing more turnovers or getting more sacks. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be things like that where if you, you know, you have a better game against Oregon State when you're forcing a lot of turnovers and Notre Dame, things like that. So I get it. Like, I know there has to be improvement. But and I am not some defensive expert that can look at the X and O's and go, what Alex Grinch is calling is absolute crap. There's so many people on Twitter and on the Peristyle that seem to know that. You can't. I, I guarantee you, you're listening to this podcast. You you don't know more football than Lincoln Riley. So I'm I'm guaranteeing you that. And maybe you think you're some kind of expert, and that's fine. But do you know for sure that firing Alex Grinch is the solution? Like, there's so many people who just have made that decision, and that's what it's going to be. Um, and it's baffling to me. I mean. We don't know what's going on in those meeting groups. It's like when you say, oh, we, you need to run the ball more. And then they, they run the ball and then just get stuffed all the time. Like, you think you know what this team needs and people yell at their you know, football, you know, the, the TV screen watching any football game. Like, you got to you got to play action here. And then they do it. It gets it gets blown up. And you're like, OK, you didn't know what you're talking about. Um, but you think, you know, more than the coaches do. 
not that they're above criticism for sure. We criticize coaches and stuff all the time, but the people that are just like adamant, like the only way to make this better is to fire Alex Grinch today. I, I don't think you can know that for sure. You might be right, but you can't know that. And, you know, it's funny covering the, the Tulane game and hearing like what, the, you know, reading that athletic story, Tulane goes out and hires a new offensive coordinator in the off season, they go through spring football and, and the head coach, Willie Fritz doesn't like the offense being run. And basically behind the scenes promotes one of his guys, the tight end coach to like call the plays and run his offense. It's a completely different offense. And the athletic kind of figures it out. Not until before the bowl game, they went the whole year. You could have been, if the offense was terrible, you would have been saying all year, this new guy they hired sucks. And he wasn't even running the offense. Like you don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. So it's just, it's kind of baffling to me. Chris, that somehow you're, you're some fan on a keyboard that has all the answers that the only way to fix this is fire Grinch. Um, I, you know, you might be right, but I, I just highly doubt that you know more than what Lincoln Riley does. And I mean, but that's like, that's like fandom in a nutshell, isn't it? That's just yeah. like what, what <laughs> the nature of uh, running a, a forum is like. And, yeah, I mean, I'll say this. There are a lot of intelligent, uh, football intelligent uh, uh, board members, you know, people that had to do really good breakdowns and stuff. But, yeah, for the most part, if you're one of the best college football coaches in the country, you know, I, I, I tend to, to side with them in, in decisions. But, again, we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know if it's going to work out. But it, it And it wasn't like the defense was just – absolutely god awful the entire year as i mentioned they had their moments they had some games where they really played to a high level it's just really at the end they just like freaking fell off a crater and i just don't know what was going on there they they played some good teams you know utah we had them the the second time and you know we could argue that that game i mean that game is completely different if Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt, you know, that that's nature that who knows that the defense isn't just uh, unstoppable in that game, you know, riding the moments of Caleb. We don't, we don't know that. And then just the Tulane game, just, you know, that's just, I really don't know what happened there. They just, you know, they got the yips. I don't know. They just like were in their head and they stopped making plays and there were, they were just, you know, all these mistakes compounded into a giant meltdown. So I think you just got to, take it in as a whole and and look at it from a whole. And I think there was enough there to show that, Hey, this has the backbone that could be a good defense. You know, I think if we get a couple more, you know, talented players to really even up our talent level and, 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 you know, get better rotational players and just get better depth overall, I think we're going to see a big jump in, in year two in 2023. And I think that's, that's the thing Lincoln Riley is so confident and is so, uh, uh, I guess confident and sorry, I, I lost the word I was trying to think of, but that's what's giving him the, the big reason to, to run it back another season. Yeah. And I, I thought that was one of the bigger takeaways from this was the year two improvement and what he feels like they can do better and the whole behind the scenes stuff. And even going back, you know, we remember when, 
know, Mike Bone comes in, and the first thing is, are you firing Clay Helton? And he didn't. And, you know, we talked to Brandon Sauce now. We talked to Mike Bone, you know, and we kind of knew their reasons behind that, why they weren't. And a lot of it, you know, it seemed to be, and fans didn't want to hear it, that the infrastructure in the, the athletic department wasn't really conducive to bringing in a high-profile coach. So if you fire Clay Helton, you're not going to get anyone really good because they couldn't even support it. And so they needed, in their mind, and I'm not saying this was the right call, but they needed to fix a lot of the problems in the athletic department with staffing, all those kind of things, fix those, and then you would put yourself in a position to make a big hire. Well, it turns out that's what they did. They fired Clay Helton after people wanted to, but they ended up firing him. They have kind of that wasted year where they, you know, they go through with Dante Williams and they go four and eight. But then you bring in Lincoln Riley and, you know, maybe they could, could they have hired Lincoln Riley? I, I don't think they could have, like if they fired Clay Helton in like 2019 or 2020 or whatever. Um, but the, you know, when you and how they built it, like it made it more of an attractive thing. And Lincoln Riley talked about some of the things that were attracted him to the job. And some of them were going to just be there already, but some of it, you know, I don't think you go, if you go look at the athletic departments in shambles, which pretty much it was from having, you know, Pat Hayden and Lynn Swan uh, for all those years. So I, that's what they said. And at the time you're like, it doesn't matter, just fire. And I was someone that said that you should just fire Clay Helton right now. But, you know, if, if you did that, is USC have a 11-1 season this year? Do they have a Heisman Trophy again? Are they, you know, on the verge of making the playoffs that soon? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but you people are making tough choices, tough decisions, and if it's Clay Helton making the decision like you mentioned, he already made a crap load of bad decisions. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. If Pat Hayden's telling you we are we're going to, uh, you know, make Clay Helton the permanent head coach after he's made a bad bunch of bad decisions, no, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. If Lin Swan extends Clay Helton. Because he thinks, he, you know, that you want to keep the Steeler model and never fire coaches and just keep the same guy forever. No, I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt because those guys have proven they made a crap load of bad decisions. Lincoln Riley hasn't done that. Now, if he screws this one up and, it, it, you know, they really are bad on defense and you kind of waste Caleb Williams last year, then, yeah, I think you could be a little more critical of some of his decisions. But he already, you know, he made a ton. He, he said he makes like a thousand decisions a day and they're, they're going to be bad ones. They're, you make, you make mistakes, right? That happens. But at the big picture, they've done, he's done a lot. And that's why I think giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know, kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's just like in with Helton, it was like, you can very clearly see the program moving backwards you know you could see the the losses piling up you could see the recruiting class rankings going down you could see the type of players they were getting you know they weren't as shiny and blue chip as they were two years ago and you could see all those things compounding and the program was moving backwards or just being stuck in general but with riley you saw you could see the turnaround you saw accountability you saw leadership you saw freaking 11 wins you saw all these things, you saw Heisman, you saw things going in the right direction. So I think that's just kind of the, the he, he, he uh, compared it to like turning a big ship. You know, it was like you it's it's kind of going slowly and you just want to get into the other direction because uh, that's where the program was. It was going in the wrong direction and just slowly turning it 
to to write itself. And then once you get in position, then you can kind of take off. That feels like what he wants for the 2023 season. That's specifically with the defense where you get it. You finally get in the right direction. You finally get all your instruments lined up and then you can kind of take off. And I think that's really what he's banking on with the defense in 2023. We kind of see it take off and kind of catch up a little bit to what they were able to do in offense in 2022. You saw the program go backwards so many years. This is the real, this is the real direction, the real turnaround that's going on. You can see it moving forward. And I think that's important to look at it from a fan perspective is that it's yeah. moving in the right direction. Some other stuff, uh, you know, I got to talk to him about Rajon Davis. That was interesting, you know, and, um, you know, he'd said that they, you know, probably could have got him on the field earlier, but they, he wasn't really making it clear in practice that he's deserved to be out there. And he said, you know, don't make these, don't make us coaches, uh, have a 50, 50, you know, coin flip call. Uh, we could make the wrong ones easily. So just make it clear. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, but he, he was really impressed with what Davis had to do in that game. Um, he talked a lot about special teams, and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. We'll have a story coming up kind of on that. Um, yeah, special anything, teams guy. I know. Like, uh, they're, you know, they're, but like I said, they're not bringing a special teams coordinator. Um, you know, really wasn't happy with kickoff coverage. Not that it, the coverage was bad, but they just want to cover less kicks, which means My, more my interpretation was that every single facet of special teams – Punt return, punt recoverage, uh, field goal, field goal block, uh, kickoff were all meh. They were like below average, whatever. But kickoff return was just like terrible. That's right. sort of the way I was just reading between the lines. And, you know, they had so many screw ups on kickoff return, you know, penalties. They said if we don't have that holding call in the first Utah game, we're probably in the comfortable playoff. Kickoff return was a very big issue and he's hoping that that also all of it takes a, a huge step back because they felt like they were just really below average and pretty much everything they weren't going to burn you for the most part but except for kick return which did burn them multiple times this year and yeah. probably contributed to two losses you know the utah game the first one with that hold and the Tulane game with you know fumbling the ball out of bounds at the one yard line. Yeah, some some big screw ups there. So, and again, I think those are all going to be part of on the agenda of things to fix. And I think you know you gave the the analogy where it's just like you know a fixer up for a house. Um, yeah, you're. I mean, if you're walking in to a million problems, like whatever it is, it could be some kind of project you're doing. There's just like you're taking over a struggling company that's that's just you know hemorrhaging money and you're like oh crap the accounting department screwed up uh hr the person's like you know sexually harassing people uh the manufacturing uh, like the, all the equipment's broken down like you walk in as the new ceo and you start fixing all of it right and it's just whatever um you know it's 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 like there's fires you have to put out and you're just constantly putting out fires It'd be better if you were like thinking long term for the. I mean, you're trying to keep the company alive, like you're trying to bring it back to life. But if you have a a well a company that's doing pretty well, you have kind of long term plans. Like, oh, for Q3, we think that there's going to be a uh, you know there's going to be a lot of uh, demand for this product, so we're going to put more resources in that. That's more like 
nuancing stuff that you could fix. When you take over a, a dumpster fire, you're just fixing the biggest fires, the biggest problems. And now a lot of those problems have been solved. You know, he didn't get a nutrition person in there until the summer. He talked about you know the having you know facilities that were out of date and you know trying to figure out who's going in what office because three people need to fit in this one because they don't have any room. Things like that are like just stuff you have to do, and most of that stuff is now done, and you can focus on you know. He wears a lot of hats, but he can help the defense. He can help other aspects of the program. And I think that it makes a lot of sense that that's sort of like what you have to do. But when you come into a situation like that, you just can't, you know, make everything better. And you're going to make special teams better. Uh, Is it sort of like, okay, well, this guy's taking care of that. We'll take care of that. Now you look at the whole year and go, wow, that was bad. Okay. So we have more time to focus on special teams as the head coach than you did before. And I, I, you know, I take it as worth that. And I feel like that's really what he's going to be doing, that there's more nuanced problems that you can fix uh, that now that you've have all this other fires that you've put out and try to put like, now you're putting like the, the finishing touches on the house and, and doing landscaping things. And it adds a lot of curb appeal and makes things a lot better, but you really couldn't focus on, all that stuff before because like the, the foundation was crumbling and you needed to fix that first. There was a lot of asbestos and lead paint is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I was mixing my analogies up a little bit there, but yes, there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that that you needed to repair. And it's because so many bad decisions were made prior to Lincoln Riley getting there. And it was the same thing with Mike bone. So many bad decisions were made in the athletic department and Mike and Brandon fixed a lot of stuff. I'm not saying they're perfect athletic directors or ADs or whatever, but they fixed a lot of the problems, a lot of the low hanging fruit. And then Lincoln Riley comes in and fixes a lot of it. And you can complain all you want about this was bad. That was bad. But he fixed a lot of stuff and made USC an 11 win program and won a Heisman and beat both rivals in year one. So if he says, now we're going to fix this stuff and we're going to get even better in year two. I'm like, I'm that's like a page turner. Like, okay, I'll, I'm willing to read this next chapter because you, you, you wrote such a good first chapter. I'm willing to read chapter two. Yeah, he's definitely uh, captured the attention and hearts of USC fans with, with year one in 2022. So let's just see what, uh, let's see what happens uh, in the final PAC 12 season, Ryan. The last one, the last go around. It is a crazy final Pac-12 season. The farewell tour, the farewell tour, if you will. It is. Um, is there anything else you wanna you wanna like switch over and get to some questions? Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of tie two things really quick together, sure. really quickly. He did mention a little bit about the future of recruiting for this cycle, and he did mention you know two to four high school guys that they're still really sort of pursuing, kind of hard for the 2023 class. And he did hint at some defensive front transfer additions that have not been announced yet. Some big transfer additions that have not been announced yet. Wink, wink, uh, nudge, nudge. So we'll probably see those, you know, maybe today and maybe uh, I, I assume by the end of the week. So, you know, more reinforcements are coming and those will be exciting to see. And USC did, and a day full of news did pick up, you know, a, a commitment from Jarrett Kingston, not just a commitment, but a signing. His, his announcement was actually him signing 
with USC. Jared Kingston, the Washington State multi-year starter. Just a huge, massive pickup for the Trojans and their reloading of the offensive line. You know, you're losing All-American Andrew Voorhees, Brett Nealon, uh, Bobby Haskins. You're down three starters, so they need to hit that portal hard. They have a good five-man class coming in uh, for the high school, but none of those guys are really, you know, kind of day one plug-and-play guys. Jared Kingston, absolutely plug-and-play guy, all Pac-12 caliber. Started at left tackle this last year for an ankle injury, kind of uh, sidelined him for the rest of the year. Six foot five, 305 pounds, can play left guard as well. That's where the majority of his career starts come from. And, you know, put him with Michael Tarkin, uh, Tarquins, excuse me, out of Florida, right tackle starter. Those are two guys that could absolutely be day one starters for this team. And it really bolsters uh, that offensive line that played really well last season, you know, Kind of got banged up at the end there. So I think their depth is overall going to be so much better in 2023. I think you need one more portal guy, one more impact guy, or at least a guy who can be a backup rotational guy. And I think that needs to come at the guard position. You know, I think they got some some good options at tackle. Cortland Ford, Jonah Monheim can still play right tackle. I think maybe he's going to kick inside this year. Uh, Mason Murphy made a big jump. You know, you have Elijah Page. The big four-star, six-foot-seven offensive tackle coming in as an early enrollee—that's a big one. So maybe he can be able be a guy that can help by the end of the year, depending on the weight and strength gains that he gets. But I think if you get one more guard, I think you're really in business—a guy who can, you know, maybe take over uh, for uh, uh, Jonah Monheim uh, on right tackle if you want to move him to left guard or wherever you want to put him. Just being your most experienced kind of guard and protect that left side, uh, maybe switch them around a little bit. But they get another guard. They have a lot of great options. And I think another key thing is that a lot of those guys can play multiple positions. You know, as I mentioned, Jonah can play outside tackle, guard. Uh, Mason Murphy can play guard. He can play tackle. Cortland Ford has a little bit of experience at guard, but he's a guy who can bounce around. Uh, Justin Dietrich, we know, can play a guard as well. And Justin Dietrich being kind of the big focal point for this for this offensive line is being will he return for center? I still believe that is the case. And, you know, a good sign was there was a picture of him from winter workouts in that huddle uh, in, in the in the weight room. You know, if you're not coming back next year, why are you doing winter workouts? So uh, we need to get more information on that. I assume maybe an announcement will be coming soon. A decision either way. But Justin Dietrich is coming back. You know, he's going to be the center for this team, team captain. And, yeah, the O-line trending in a really, really good decision despite some big key losses uh, due to graduation. Yeah, and, I, you know, I asked Lincoln Riley about some of the, you know, maybe surprises of, of things that, you know, were challenges that he didn't think would be. And he kind of talked about the roster. That's when he you went into. And he didn't say, like, hey, the linebackers, the front seven. But that's kind of what he was referring to. But he also said it was – there were some you know, positive aspects, too. I mean, he didn't realize how good the offensive line was. Like, they added Bobby Haskins, but outside of that, they had a ton of guys coming back, and they played really well. Uh, so having Dietrich back is big. You know, adding those guys from the portal is big. And it's it's all having to do, he, you know, he, he, one of the buzzwords was, like, the underbelly of talent. Uh, he talked about with the program. And, you know, when you mentioned the defense, like, kind of struggling later in the year, you know, depth was an issue. And, you know, even a guy like Tuli Tuipilotu said wasn't performing as well at the end as it was in the beginning. And they just didn't have some of those guys to kind of fill in and play roles throughout the season. So 
you know, not having a high school recruiting class, essentially. Now you bring in a whole bunch of guys from high school. You're bringing more transfers in. And that underbelly of talent is going to be better. They, they weeded out the, the roster big time, you know, a year ago. But uh, now you don't have to do as much weeding. Um, but there's, you know, there's definitely more additions. There's still a lot of guys on there that, you know, really weren't contributors and weren't going to be. And so now you kind of get rid of some of them and, and get some other guys in. And that's sort of where they are. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break and we will come back and answer all of your questions back in a minute. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle podcast. Uh, Chris, we got to get to some questions. Um, John from North Edwards. I don't know where that is. What's where's North? Ed- Do you know where North Edwards is? It's north of South Edwards. Oh, very good. Okay, uh, I was disappointed, like everyone. I don't know about everyone at the news that Alex Grinch is being retained, but it's time to move on and look forward to hopefully better things. Are you stock up? down or neutral on the recent additions to the defense, both transfer portal and high school recruits? That's his first question. I am stock up for sure. And me and Gerard Martinez, AKA hurricane will be doing a more extensive breakdown of these new transfer guys that have come in. But yeah, I'm really stock up specifically on the transfer guys that are coming in. As I mentioned in the first part of the podcast, USC is getting impact starter guys from other teams they're not just getting sort of filler guys maybe deep backup guys which is as Lincoln Riley put you know they just needed bodies to fill out this roster and kind of get it going so they can have you know practices and stuff like that and you know go go full on with in, in, in spring camp and fall camp and and during the season but now they're getting starters like every guy they picked up has been either a starter or played a lot. You know, Jamil Mohammed, he talked about, you know, his athleticism just jumps off tape. He's a former quarterback uh, out of Alabama, I, I, I think, or Georgia, one of those two states. But he was a former quarterback. You know, he's still kind of learning that linebacker position. But you can see on tape, you know, he is just so good at winning his matchups, even when, you know, he doesn't win the initial contact or, you know, doesn't get a free run or doesn't hit his his stunt perfectly. He just finds ways to win the battle in the end. And USC needs a lot more of that. You know, Mason Cobb, the biggest transfer portal pickup for USC so far, just 96 total tackles last season, you know, a beast in terms of his toughness. And, you know, he made some, some mistakes last year in terms of being out of position with the scheme, but he was able to make up a lot of those mistakes just purely based off instinct and, you know, just uh, his ability to, play linebacker and that was something that Lincoln Riley noted that yeah there were some times he was out of position but his instincts are so good he was able to make up for that at times and I think that's something that uh, is going to be a big value for this defense next season you know Christian Roland Wallace someone I covered in high school really good athlete basically he's been a starter since he walked on campus at Arizona 
and very experienced. You know, I think he'll be a favorite to start this easier, maybe be that Makai Blackman kind of role. And, you know, Keon Barr is obviously a big need at defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman with Brandon Peely leaving. You're not going to be able to play 2 2 below 2 there. Just a veteran player. You know, uh, Lincoln Riley called him explosive, one of the most explosive uh, defensive linemen in the Pac 12. Some really good tape. Second team all Pac 12 last season. So just another guy who's proven himself in the Pac 12 and at the college level. And excited to see what that kind of looks like in this system. And, you know, he's a three pounder, 300 pounder guy. So I think they're really upgrading that defensive front all the way across the board so far. And they still need more defensive linemen for sure. Uh, there's, you know, Anthony Lucas is a guy trending in the right direction for USC. That would be a massive, massive win. But right now, yeah, every guy they picked up so far has been, you know, a guy you can look forward to. And Jack Sullivan. Sorry, I forgot to mention Jack Sullivan out of Purdue, who I, I, I don't think he was a starter, but played a lot and is was very productive. You know, had multiple tackles for loss and sacks the last two seasons. And I think he's kind of maybe a Nick Figueroa kind of role, similar build, six or five, 275. A guy who can play defensive end or that Russian spot. Russian suddenly very crowded. Uh, with, you know, Braylon Shelby coming in, Romello Hyde coming back, Corey Foreman. But, you know, versatility and having options is never a bad thing. And USC cultivating a lot of options right now for the de- defensive side of the ball. And he goes on. He said the defense seemed to be better earlier in the season and some key injuries seemed to slow things down late. How much will the added depth on defense help, especially late in the season? And can USC get the defensive depth they need? Yeah, I think that's sort of a big part of it is filling out that defense with more dudes or guys that can make plays. You know, Tyrone Teleni only had one tackle for a loss in his entire career before coming to USC. And a lot of people were like, is this guy going to play? And you blink your eye and he has he was second on the team with seven and a half tackles for a loss. He's coming back. And now they have him being a guy who has experience has made plays before he, him and himself has, you know, is a, I'm just using him as an example as a guy who now has confidence, has, you know, good tape and is a, an immediate, you know, standard across that, that rotational backup, you know, if Jack Sullivan's not starting. They have two guys that, you know, have combined for, you know, at least 13 tackles for a loss in their career coming in uh, off the bench to, to, you know, a, alleviate the starters and that's what you need you know they were used to bringing guys that didn't really have a lot of stats or a lot of experience now they're building it to where you know you could bring in you know Shane Lee off the bench if he if he's not going to be the starter or you can bring in uh you know whoever to to help uh make plays when they your, your guys are are on the bench and I think that's just an underrated part of this is that, yeah, you can get talented starters, but you also need talented uh, guys waiting the wings and build that competition and uh, push your starters and make those, you know, make that practice tougher than it is in the games and really sort of bring out the the next level of guys. And they needed more of that on defense, and they're going to have more of that this offseason based on the guys that they're bringing in now. Yeah. He said, sorry for the long email. Love your instant analysis on the Lincoln Riley State of the Program press conference. 
Uh, keep up the good work. Josh from North Edwards. He also says any whispers about football only facilities. So sounds like Lincoln Riley said he came in, there was plans in place or they're putting plans in place. And I mean, it, yeah, it's, it sounds like they're going to do stuff, but there's nothing been announced yet. Yeah. I mean, that just sounded like something that was kind of far off, not far off, but not really a primary focus. Maybe that would be like a next year's off season kind of thing. Uh, yeah, there would be, yeah, it, but it sounded like, you know, when he was hired, um, that's, uh, you know, that's sort of what the plan was going to be, right? Like it was going, they, they, they knew they were going to do these things facility wise. So, yeah, so no, no details, John, but you know, we got something there. Uh, Mark wrote in, he said, I'm not an apologist for the defensive play of this past season. I'm not an advocate for keeping or firing our current defensive coordinator. In other words, I'm agnostic. I do note that over the last five seasons, we've had three different coordinators, Pendergast, Orlando, and now Grinch. The results of the three coordinators have been terrible. I know that your policy is never criticize the players, but from what I saw over the past five seasons, we have consistently displayed a boatload of missed tackles, players being flat backed by the offense, and yes, poor scheme designed by all three of the DCs. I see the way out of this problem is solving the Johnny's and the Joes issue, player quality, rather than rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, i.e. we are still dead. Whatever DC can solve that issue is the one I'm in favor of hiring. What say you, Mark? Um, Mark, we can be critical of players. We're just trying not to like call dudes out that aren't getting paid or not getting paid very much to play football. It's more critical of the coaches, but I think the Jimmy's and Joes are a big part of it. I don't believe it, Chris. Jimmy's and Joe's is probably the one of the biggest deciding factors in college football. I mean, just look at the TCU Georgia game. Georgia just has so much better talent, and they just look like freak freak athletes and aliens out there. That if you get more five stars than the other guy, and you can develop them, you're probably going to be the better team. You're probably going to come out with a win. I know scheme, you know, is important in college football, but college football is chaotic in nature. And there's a lot of random big plays that happen. And, you know, they don't have it's not like the NFL where you have literally it's your job. You know, these are student athletes. You only get like 20 hours with them to kind of work on this stuff. And, you know, mistakes are going to happen. There's going to be a lot of mistakes out there because, you know, it's not a full time thing like in the NFL. So if you had just have players that are inherently more talented than everyone else on the field and you have like four or five of those guys on your team, you're going to be in a good position to win a lot of football games in college. So Jimmy Jim Joe's is a lot more, I would say, a lot more important than uh, the scheme, the X's and O's. And that feels kind of like the reverse a little bit in the NFL scheme. You know, people can figure out the People can fig- coaches in the NFL can figure out uh, new offenses uh, like that in one offseason, and you can see the difference. But you know, if you got top players in the college football ranks, you know, you you have a chance to win every game. Yeah, the NFL, you your your talent's pretty close to the whoever you know. There's a lot of parity in the NFL. Like college, you can just get way better players than the the, the most of the teams you're playing, and you just got to run them out of the building. We saw that Georgia do that. 
Um, let's see. We've got uh, this one. Gents, I don't know who they – I think it's L.A. to Portland. Uh, L.A. to Portland is the, the user. He says, can Lincoln Riley change the team's past patterns of performance? To lead us to championships, we are uber talented and flashy. But my concern is, do enough of our players have the heart and true substance needed to be champions? Details and details and fundamentals are frequently blundered, even by our best players. Passes drop, best uh, basic special teams mistakes, all American or all Americans disappearing in big games. Seems to be like some of this team lacks grit. Uh, are are we what our critics say we are? Soft and entitled. We need 100% of the kids to have heart and character. And right now, we just don't. Maybe I just can't get over the embarrassing player the last two games, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. It's uh, CHLA to Portland. Um, I, I'll go first. I don't I don't agree with this take at all. I mean, I, one of the things, we have so many questions we got to ask Lincoln Riley, but I mean, I was definitely going to talk to him uh, about the chemistry of the team. It does seem like a team that has a lot of heart. And they care. This wasn't flashy, talented players that just came together and only were playing for themselves. Like they were playing for each other. The fact that those guys, you know, a lot of guys played in the bowl game that didn't need to, um, you know, like a guy like Travis Dye, who was there for a year, gets hurt. And it's still like this emotional leader on the team. Um, they weren't a bunch of guys that just were added. that were all like just trying to help themselves and get to the NFL. It, it seemed like they bought in and they wanted to, to win as a team. So I, I would disagree with this. It seemed like there was a lot of that. Um, it wasn't a bunch of mercenaries that just took bags of money to go play for a team. Like they wanted to play because they wanted to win. And uh, I give Lincoln Riley credit for that. I don't think it's a case of the heart thing. I, I, I think it's more so that the program and the players don't necessarily understand. Maybe I'm saying this wrong. It's I like I really alluded to this, but like you have to learn how to win. If that makes sense, you have to learn to be in, be part of a winning culture. And, you know, he had mentioned that a lot of, most of the guys on the roster had never played in sort of a big game like that outside of maybe, Shane Lee, uh, Bryson Shaw, you know, those guys have played in some big games, but I think there's this inherent ability to play to a certain level at a, in, you know, a championship game or a do or die game to get to the playoffs. And that comes with experience and that comes with, you know, building a, a roster, sorry, a foundation in the locker room of, you know, having, this ability to go into places and to win big games. And how do you, how do you cultivate that? Well, you get to play in big games and USC played in some big games this year. Didn't win them all, but they won, you know, some, you know, going to Oregon state, obviously they didn't win the, the Pac-12 championship and the Utah one got away from them at the end. But you, even though those are losses, those guys that played in those games, they took valuable experience from that. And now USC is a little bit better, served for that you know you know guys that made plays in those games can make plays in other big games there are guys that got a lot of experience in those games and i think you're going to see that sort of permeate more throughout the locker room so i'm not saying it's a question of heart i think it's just more a question of getting that 
experience to be in positions to play in those games and, you know, to play in a really tough schedule. Like at the end of the season where you played UCLA, Notre Dame, Pac-12 championship, back to back to back and sort of do or die games. You know, they won two of those three and that's valuable experience. So I think it's more so just cultivating that winning culture, not necessarily uh, quote unquote heart of the, the players. Yeah, agree with you there. Um, hi, Parrot Style Podcast team. Do you expect any defensive players to enter the transfer portal after the season? Uh, after the complete collapse in the Cotton Bowl. Thanks and fight on to a bright future. Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. You said more players? More defensive players? Yeah, like, basically, I think he's asking, like, is there going to be a bunch of defensive players that leave because USC's defense was bad at the end of the season? I don't think we're seeing that at all. Like, guys that are be contributors leaving. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that. No, I think people You'll are see, like, You'll see like more kind of depth guys, particularly I think in the secondary that you'll see leave. But I don't think you'll see like a guy who was playing last year leave. You know, I, I know Raylan Goforth left, but you know he you know wanted you, you saw the the talent they bring in a linebacker. I think he saw the writing on the wall. Like I don't think I'll be playing much here next season, so I want to go find a better opportunity. Yeah, I don't think there's any like. Guys that they are hopeful they'll be playing next year are going to leave. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, Brett. That's just if you're worried about, oh, like uh, Caleb Bullock is uh, going to be a star next year. Is he going to leave? Like those guys aren't leaving. The guys that are leaving are you weren't playing or you were playing, but now they brought in better people and you wouldn't be playing anymore. So that's the kind of people that I love. I don't anticipate really anyone else uh, leaving on that side of the ball. Uh, Mike in the Bay Area wrote in and says, USC just picked up a commitment from uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Do you think this is in response to a roster move that Riley uh, has uh, visibility uh, to a head of this fan base? I'm sorry. I'm not sure what he's saying here. Oh, so saying like, say Austin Jones goes pro. Do you think that Darwin Barlow will hit the portal as a result? Uh, also, we expect Gary Bryant to enter the portal after it was decided he would redshirt this past season. Um they asked, he asked if he was going to stay, but he's not. He's already entered the portal. But uh, So any, do you think that Marshawn Lloyd is a response to some kind of roster move or anything? Not necessarily. I just think they wanted another veteran running back in that room. And Marshawn Lloyd, very talented running back coming out of high school, one of the best high schools, maybe the best high school in the country in DeMatha Catholic High School. Wink, wink, if you don't get the joke. I went to DeMatha Catholic High School, you losers. Uh, and then I just think they just wanted a another veteran back. I mean, you look at that room. This is prior to Austin Jones announcing his return, but that room was going to be two freshman running backs who are early enrollees, Relique Brown and then Darwin Barlow, who hasn't played a ton. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call him an a I call him a veteran, but I wouldn't call him an experienced veteran. And then if Jones left, they were going to be a very young room. Now they got Jones back. Now they got Lloyd back, Lloyd coming in. So a very talented group once again in terms of experience and youth and talent. So I think it's a good mix. Uh, could Darren Barlow leave? Sure, but he's already entered the portal once, and I think he would have to sit out the second portal run again. So I think he he would only be leaving if he was a grad transfer and he had the one year, which he is not, I believe. 
So I don't think he really wants to sit out a year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he just st- sticks around. And he's talented. We saw him get some opportunity at the end of the year. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. But you always want to have a stocked running back room because, as you as you saw last year, Travis died going down. Injuries happen. Really ground had a high ankle sprain. Never, you're, you can never have too many running backs in, in that sense. Yeah, and I, I, we ran into Austin Jones yesterday. Uh, I think, Chris, we, we saw him walk by, and then I was working at the uh, uh, Annenberg Center, and then he came up and I said hello to him and stuff as he was uh, as leaving his class in there. So he's still around. So uh, if someone asked on the, the board about, like, Miller Moss and stuff, it's like, we saw him yesterday. He waved to us when we were doing his analysis. So if the guys are around there right now, it's probably a pretty good sign. Uh, we got one last question. It's a text message from Dexter, class of 2013. That's their 10-year anniversary, Dexter. Happy uh, graduation anniversary. He says, first of all, thank you for all the great content this season. Looking forward to another amazing year in 2023. Quick question about Romello Height. Obviously, his injury this season was disappointing. Do you think he'll be back next year? And if so, what kind of production can we hope out of him? Thank you from Dexter. Yeah, I, I'm just curious why everyone keeps asking about Romello Height if he's like going to go to the NFL or something. Like the guy has doesn't have a sack in his career, doesn't have a lot of tape, and just because he's an older player, I, it's it's very fascinating to me. Or unless you're assuming he's going to transfer out again, but again, in the same argument that I or the same point I made with Darren Barlow is he's already been in the portal. He already used his one-time transfer. If he's transferring anywhere, he's going to sit out another year. I don't think he wants to sit out another year. So, yes, I would be like 99% confident that Romello Height will be back next season. You know, he had caught a tough break. The shoulder injuries have been a nagging issue for him. Another shoulder surgery, that's not a great sign, but you're hoping, you know, 2023 is healthy. I would have been very excited. I was a big Romello Height guy. You know, I, I know he didn't, he wasn't proven in terms of the stats coming from Auburn, but. You know, you look at him and be like, OK, that's a first guy off the bus kind of dude. And I think he was going to have a good season, assuming he was healthy, which he wasn't. So uh, I look forward to seeing what Romello Height can do in 2023, assuming everything is, uh, you know, he's 100 percent once again. But no, I do not expect Romello Height to leave and I expect him to be on the roster next season. Yeah, same thing. And uh, yeah, I'm curious, you know, it's one of those guys that uh, you just look at him, you're like, OK, that's a football player. <laughs> you know, and the fact that we never really get to see him is kind of disappointing. So um, and I think, you know, one of the other things he brought up, too, is it does the more bodies you're bringing in that aren't just filler. There's more competition, you know, and having a guy like Romello Height, you know, he was he beat out um, like a Corey Foreman early on. And that was good for Foreman's development. Right. Like, like oh, you're not just because you were a stud doesn't mean, you know, you're going to be playing. And so I think. The more guys you have there, the more competition there is, and it's good for everything. So, uh, All right, Chris. Well, good stuff. Uh, any last final words before we sign out here? No. I mean, good to be back. Lots going on, even though it's, I guess, technically kind of the offseason, but still recruiting stuff. And you know where you can keep, keep up with recruiting stuff, Ryan? You can do it over at USAFootball.com. But also, are you talking about podcast-wise? Yeah. I, this is a terrible. You just kind of ruined my. Uh, you stepped all over my my plug going on here. But 
Composite two star recruits. No, it's 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 too late. It, the, the moment has passed. You you kind of you kind of butchered that. But I think it would. I think if we were in person, you would have gotten it. You know, it's a little bit harder to read cues, uh, staring at your your photo here over Skype. But yes, the composite two star recruits. We're coming back. We're recording a new episode this evening. If you're listening to this today, I can probably guarantee you it's already up. Uh, to it's already up. Uh, wherever you listen to Parasol Podcast, you can find it there. So, yes, a lot more recruiting stuff to get through with Transfer Portal and the end of the 2023 class. So, yeah, you can keep us – you can keep updated there at com and the Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast. Yeah. we got to get you guys doing a live one again at some point. That was very popular. Yeah. I think we're going to do another one for uh, February signing day, which doesn't have the teeth. Of early signing days December, but you know, you never know. Uh, I think people obviously really, really enjoyed uh, the December one and gave us a bunch of money for reasons I do not know. Uh, so we'll see. It was a good time, a lot of fun interacting with people on the chat. So yeah, I, I, I t- today marks my my journey to c- get Ger- get Gerard to commit to doing another live one in February. Right. Well, you talk to him during your three hour show, and that'd be great. Um, yeah, get them to do it live again. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I was back in uh, Massachusetts for that one, and it was uh, it was fun watching. You should come by uh, for that one. Yeah, no, I definitely will. Um, and all the, the donations that were rolling in was crazy. Uh, okay, well, that's going to wrap things up uh, for Chris Trevino. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle podcast. We should. Uh, I know there's some traveling going. I'm going to be in Hawaii, so we might be doing more remote versions of it. So not in studio, not doing it live on YouTube. I don't know. Maybe we'll try to do some remote live ones, but we'll let you know kind of going forward uh, what we end up doing there. But for Chris, I am Ryan. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.